Hey everyone, my name is Adam. Welcome to the Chestnut Ridge Church Podcast. At the end of today's talk, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at The Ridge. We hope that today's talk will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, 2020, what a year it's been. As I reflect on the year for my family and on conversations with others, I recognize that for many of us, it's been a long, hard year that has taken a toll on us in nearly every aspect of our life. And for some of you, this year has hit you even harder than others. However, I think that many of us would say that this year has also been good for us in some ways. Now, I'm not suggesting that the virus or the other challenges that we've faced are in and of themselves good, but some good has come from it. You know, I think about even this computer, and when it freezes up, you get that spinning wheel of death, and really the only thing left to do is to hold the power button in for a hard reset, and then it will work again. In some ways, I think 2020 has given us a much needed reset in a few areas of our lives. First, I think about our relationship with God. You know, all of us in this room and at home have experienced so much loss this year. Whether it be the loss of health, a loved one, a job, going to school, a team, a dream wedding, a planned trip, seeing people smile, and really just life as we knew it. I think deep loss can either drive us away from God or can drive us to God. And I know a number of people who have turned to God this year for the first time or have come back to God because we've realized we cannot do it without him. It reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, one of my favorite verses. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, 2020 has worn us out, but I think many people are prioritizing their relationship with God again and finding rest in him, and this is a tremendous blessing. A second blessing I've seen in this year is for families. Not all families, maybe not for your family, but I know for a lot of families this year has been good. It's not uncommon for families with kids and teens to be out most nights of the week, leaving very little time for them to be together. But because of canceled and postponed activities, which again is a loss, families have been able to spend more time together, being able to reclaim the family dinner and having time to rest at home. Now, full disclosure, I have four young, awesome kids, all under the age of 10, So yes, some days and weeks and months are long, but I really do think it's made my family and many families I know stronger. And a third blessing that I've seen come out of this, I think we've rediscovered what it means to take care of each other as family, friends, neighbors, and church family. Back when all of this began, on several occasions, friends or people from our small group 
Our neighbors would text us when they were at the store. And you know why they were texting us. They wanted to make sure we had enough food because things were running out. And they would almost always make sure that we had a very important resource that was kind of hard to find at the time. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. I know several stories and ways that you, our Ridge family, have taken care of each other, your neighbors, our community, which is awesome. So yes, 2020 has been hard and it's not over, but a lot of good has come from it. I think a deeper dependence on God, stronger family relationships, and a renewed focus on caring for one another and giving what we have to others. I really think 2020 has helped remind us of what really matters. And said another way, I think it has helped us rediscover what true and lasting riches are. And that's what we're talking about this month in this series are true riches. If you were here last week or missed last week, then Pastor Tim kicked it off by teaching us that we should live to give. That generosity isn't just something that we do around the holidays, but it really is, is who we are all year around. And he gave us some very practical uh, reasons for this. First, it pays to give. It pleases God when we give. Provides an opportunity to grow in faith. It glorifies God and it helps bind us together as people. Today, we'll continue the series by looking at what Jesus taught about true riches in Matthew chapter six. And our bottom line today is this. We give to impact eternity and we trust God to provide for us today. We give freely from what's been entrusted to us with the hope and the prayer and the belief that it will impact eternity. And we trust God that as we give that he's going to provide for us today. So let's jump in and read Matthew chapter 19, or chapter six, verses 19 to 24. It's a familiar passage right in the middle of Jesus's sermon on the mount. It says this, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness. No one can be a slave of two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. Now there are many things that Jesus taught in the gospels that should give us tremendous comfort this probably isn't one of them. If this makes you feel a little uneasy or uncomfortable, I imagine that the people Jesus teaching felt the same way. This is a hard teaching. And if not loving money was a countercultural message 2,000 years ago, think with me for a moment. 
how much more relevant is this challenge for us who live in a materialistic, two-day shipping society where we see thousands upon thousands of advertisements each and every day? Now, oftentimes, this kind of message will broaden what it means to give. I imagine you've heard a message about giving generously of your time, your talents, and your treasure, all true, all important, all taught in scripture. But this particular passage focuses on our treasure, our money, our stuff. And Jesus makes it clear that you can love money and you can love God, but you can't love both. It's love money or love God. Now my parents taught me to love God from the time I was young and I am so thankful for that. But I also remember quite clearly when I first started making my own money and I loved it. Around the age of nine or 10, I started my first paper out where I grew up in Weirton in the Northern Panhandle of the state. I delivered around 30 papers every day to my street, Preston Avenue, and to the next street over. And I got paid around $2 a day or about 14 to $15 a week. At least that's how I remember it. And no, I did not grow up in the 1920s. We just didn't get paid that much. And I would take my week's pay in my bank book. Anybody remember bank books? I would put it in my pocket, ride my bike over to Hancock County Savings Bank, and I would pull up to the drive-through on my bike send it up through the tube and wait for the bank book to come back to see the new amount. I loved it. I remember the deep sense of pride in the money that I had made. And I think all of us take pride in the money that we save, earn, and invest, and that's a good thing. But we also, we also love the security that money provides for us. And I think a lot of times we love the the social status that money gets us. And as Jesus points out, which we know is true, we love stuff. I love stuff, you love stuff, your grandmama loves stuff, we love stuff. Our garages, our basements, our online shopping carts are proof we love our stuff. So if we love money, More than God, what will we do? Well, we'll become focused on stuff. We'll focus on collecting treasures on earth. Now at that time, as you can imagine, treasures on earth were things like fine linens, precious metals, coins. And for us today, I think we kind of know what those things are. It's houses that are much bigger than we need. It's the newest car. It's the latest phone or gaming system. I think one came out this week. It's luxury trips. It's the best seats at the game. It's always name brand clothes and it's padded bank accounts. I think it's the endless pursuit to keep up with the Joneses or the Kardashians or whoever else you're trying to keep up with. It's the accumulation of security, status, and stuff that isn't for God It isn't for others, but it's for ourselves. But what did Jesus say will come of these earthly treasures? They won't last. 
Again, verse 19, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You guys know this, cars break down. Last week, my 2009 Civic was in the shop getting a starter and tires and other stuff. Cars break down, clothes wore out, markets crash, trips and phones need upgraded again and again and again. And social media posts are only popular until someone else posts something better. Now I'm in the same boat. These things make us feel good and secure and important, but they don't last. They have no real eternal value. So how do we fix our bad eye, as referenced in verse 23, that, that doesn't really see money properly, and our heart that is so enslaved to the love of money? I love Jesus, he doesn't make it complicated. He just says, love God. Love God. Later in the book of Matthew, Jesus gave us the great commandment. It's a passage that most of you are familiar with, a passage that is foundational to our church. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And here's what's cool. As our love for God increases, our love for money decreases. Many of you have had this experience. Your love for God increases through time spent with him, through his word, through worship, your love increases for God and your love for money decreases. And as we love God and as we love who he loves, which is all people, we'll begin to invest our money and possessions to collect treasures in heaven. But what exactly does that mean? How do you collect a treasure in heaven? What is that? I really appreciate this note from scholar Craig Blomberg. He writes, spiritual treasure should be defined as broadly as possible as everything that believers can take with them beyond the grave. For example, holiness of character, obedience to God's commandments, souls won for Christ and disciples nurtured in the faith. In this context, however, storing up treasures focuses particularly on the compassionate use of material resources to meet others' physical and spiritual needs in keeping with the priorities of God's kingdom. I love that. As I mentioned already, we most certainly can store up treasures in heaven by investing our time, our talents, our treasure into God's people and God's work. And we're commanded to invest all three, but here in Matthew 6, Jesus is specifically commanding not recommending, not asking. He's commanding us to use our material possessions that he has given to us to meet the physical and spiritual needs of others. Another more concise definition from Dr. Warren Wearsby. What does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? 
It means to use all that we have for the glory of God. People who know and love God understand that every single thing they have is from God and ought to be used for God and his purposes, namely, meeting the immediate physical needs of others and seeing people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ who will be with God in heaven forever. When we begin to understand that we do not own our possessions, but we steward, manage, use them for God, it will change everything. Now steward or stewardship really isn't a word that we use often. Maybe you do, I don't. But I do think it's a concept that we're quite familiar with. A steward would be like a financial investor. Perhaps some of you are a financial investor or you work with a financial investor. And you know what they do, they go to that investor, they hand over their hard earned money with the expectation that they'll invest that money for the greatest ROI, return on investment. That investor does not own the money, but they are entrusted and they are empowered to use it well. As stewards, we don't own our money or possessions, but God has entrusted these things to us to invest them with an expectation that we will use them with a heavenly mindset. So as we embrace our role as a steward of God's possessions, what would that look like? Well, I think we'll begin to think differently, I think we'll begin to pray differently, and I think we will live much more boldly. For instance, I think we'll say, God, I recognize that this apartment or home is yours. Who can I invite over this week to spend time with, to encourage, to help? Or perhaps you begin to pray as a family about the extra space in your home that could be used to help foster a child where our state navigates this crisis. About our car, we say, God, this car or truck isn't mine. Who needs a ride this week to get groceries or make it to a doctor's appointment? God, this bank account is yours. Where can I invest money that will have the best advancement for the gospel message. Business owners, you say, God, this business isn't mine, it's yours. How can I impact the community through it? And even practical things, like God, this is your phone, it's not mine. Who can I text or call today to listen to and to pray with and to make it even more close to home, especially for the guys? The food in my fridge, God, is yours. Who needs a steak? <laughs> Who can I offer a meal to this week? Because it's not mine, it's yours. When we begin to freely give of the money and possessions that God has entrusted to us, we begin to lay up treasures in heaven that will last forever. Again, verse 20, but collect for yourselves treasures in earth where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. So again, cars break down, clothes wear out, markets crash, trips end. But our relationship with God, that will last forever. Meeting physical and spiritual needs of others, that lasts forever. Faithfully giving and tithing to the local church to continue to meet the needs of the community and share the gospel each week, 
that will last forever. So, let me take us back to the teaching. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples who are hearing this message for the first time. I imagine they were thinking, Jesus, that sounds great, but if I do this, if I seek you first, if I put others above myself, what about me? How will my needs be met? If I give away the only food that I have to someone who's more hungry than I, what will I eat? If I give the shirt off my back to someone who doesn't have one, what will I wear? I think these are fair questions because they're questions that I think and I suppose they're questions that you think about as well. But in the verses that follow, in about 10 verses, Jesus answers these questions and he gives an incredible, incredible promise. Let's read what that is. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food in the body, more for clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat? And what will we drink? And what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly fathers know that you need them. But catch this, seek first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, don't worry. He says it five times. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He says, have faith, have confidence, trust God that he loves you more than birds and put God's priorities first and all of these things will be provided for you. And what are these things? He just named them. Food to drink, some, food to eat, something to drink and something to wear. It's the necessities of life that we need, not the wants that we wish for. So God promises to provide for our needs when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which brings us full circle to our bottom line today. We give to impact eternity. That's why we give. We give freely as stewards of what God has entrusted to us to impact eternity. And we trust God to provide for us today. Instead of loving and accumulating money and possessions for our own security and our own status 
and self-worth and self-preservation, which was what we're prone to do. We love God by holding our money and possessions as stewards with an open hand, ready to give all of it to meet the physical and spiritual needs of others. We love God. We don't love money. So how might we apply this and live this out this week? Let me quickly suggest three practical ideas, some of which you're already doing, I'm sure. And then I'll close with a story that's very meaningful to me. First, I wanna encourage us all to take an inventory of our money and possessions. You've all been at a store when they've got those scanning guns going. They're taking an inventory of the store so they have an accurate picture of everything that they have to sell. I would like to encourage us to take an inventory of our money and our possessions so that we have an accurate picture of everything that we have to give, share, or lend. And if you wanna get really practical, grab a paper and a pen and write it all down. Apartment or house, car, truck, job, bank account, investments, business, food, extra clothes, a lawn tractor, a karaoke machine, come on, <laughs> everything, right? And then we prayerfully consider how we might begin to or better use our money and possessions for God and for others. A second practical step is to grow in the area of biblical stewardship. There are several good books and websites on the subject that you can read up on. And I'd also recommend courses like FPU, Financial Peace University. It's a nine-week course that's built on the foundation of biblical stewardship. The course covers topics like paying off debt, tithing, saving, retirement, and more. Hundreds and hundreds of people from the Ridge, myself included, have taken this course and I highly recommend it to anyone. One of the key principles that I absolutely love, it says this, if we live like no one else, we can give like no one else. I love that. We typically offer the course every winter through the Ridge, but you can also now join a virtual class almost any time through the Financial Peace University website. And then finally, as you know, we're in the middle of this kindness campaign. It's taking place until next Sunday, and it really is a perfect way for kids, students, college, adults, everyone to put these messages in to practice. The first challenge is the serve day. We've been doing these about every month this year since March. You just take an hour or so of your time and you do something intentional for someone else. Bake someone a plate of cookies or door dash them a meal. Make a donation to one of our partners who are meeting the needs and sharing the gospel in our community. Write, call, FaceTime someone who's shut in. A great time to rake leaves, take a prayer walk through your neighborhood. It's completely up to you. Be creative, use what you have. The second is the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. I love this. If you've never done it, it's so easy. You take a shoebox from here or home, you fill it with, with some small gifts, hygiene supplies, school supplies. And then at the facility where they're processed, they include a gospel booklet in their own language, wherever it's gonna go, and that box is shipped to them. You can drop them off all week or next Sunday. And then finally, the winter coat drive, one of my favorite traditions at the Ridge, where we gather gently used new coats, hats, gloves, scarves, uh, snow suits, whatever it is, 
And then next Monday, the 23rd and 24th, we open our building to the community and people come in and we wanna have a great selection for people to choose from like we always do. So I encourage you to just start with your own closet. You might have a quality winter coat that you're not wearing or head to the store and buy a new or used one. And some people will ask, what do you need? What's the greatest need? Well, as you can imagine, it's for kids. Kids grow out of their coats faster. They wear them out faster. So kids in adult coats are needed, but especially for the children. You can bring those in all week or next Sunday, or as many of you are already doing, you can direct ship your coats to the church. This past week was like Christmas. Deliveries all week long of the coats that you're sending in. And all the information about the kindness campaign is at theridge.church slash kindness. So let me close with a story that I mentioned. It's actually a story that I told before, but I really believe it summarizes everything that we're talking about today. It was last year around this time, and I had the privilege of being here when we were giving the coats away to our community. A man came in about my age and said he needed coats for his young daughters. I walked him over to the girl coat section and as we got to talking, he, he opened up and he said that he did not want to come to this event, but he knew he needed to. He went on to share that he had recently lost his job and couldn't afford to get his daughters a winter coat this year. And after a few minutes, he selected two coats and he had them in his hand. And he looked at me and he said, you know, it's just good to know that there's still people who care. He said, I've always thought that this is what churches ought to be doing. I might check this place out sometime. Now, I don't know what happened later that day, but I do know that that dad went home and he was able to give his daughters He was able to go home and give his daughters a winter coat. And they were actually new, the ones that he got. I can't help but think how those little girls felt. Maybe they knew the family was struggling. Maybe they knew dad lost his job. And they were getting a new winter coat. And maybe they said, daddy, where are these from? And, and maybe they said, it was a church. And guys, here's what's amazing. One of you from our church gave those coats. And they kept those girls warm all last winter. And I believe, I believe that that coat planted a seed of God's love in their heart that will grow and that will give birth to faith. Guys, here's the thing. When we give, we're impacting eternity. When we give a coat or a box or a plate of cookies or even a smile, we're impacting eternity and we can be confident to trust God that he will provide for us today. And this is why I love this church because I don't think we're a people that love money. It's not been my experience. You're a people who love God and you hold your money and your possessions with an open hand as stewards saying, God, whatever someone's need, I'll meet it. That's who we are. That's why I'm proud to be a part of this church. 
Let's pray. Oh God, thank you that Jesus gave us this message. God, we recognize that we live in a world that, that tries to convince us of what true riches are, but we know it's empty. We know the things of this world will eventually fade away. So God, I pray this week that we would take this message to heart, that we would have eyes to see the ways that we can use the money and possessions that you have entrusted to us. And by faith, we believe that we are impacting eternity in the name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's talk. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages, or you can download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.